turn your Bibles to John chapter 17, John chapter 17 and verse 20, uh, 20 is where we're going to start. The title of my message today is The Effects of a Holy High Priest. The Effects of a Holy High Priest. John 17 verse 20. The Bible says in verse 20, and we're going to go through most of this passage, but we're just going to read this portion for time concern. Neither pray I for these alone, but for them also which shall believe on me through their word, that they all may be one as thou, Father, art in me and I in thee, that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that thou hast sent me, and the glory which thou gavest me I have given them. That they may be one, even as we are one. I in them, and thou in me, that they may be perfect in one, and that the world may know that thou hast sent me, and hast loved them as thou hast loved me. Father, I will, I will that they also, whom thou hast given me, be with me where I am. That they may behold my glory, which thou hast given me. For thou lovest me before the foundation of the world. O righteous Father, the world hath not known thee. But I have known thee, and these have known that thou hast sent me. And I have declared unto them thy name, and will declare it, that the love wherewith thou hast loved me may be in them, and I in them. Let's begin with a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, you are gracious to us. Lord, I am thankful for your love. Lord, I realize that, as the Bible tells us, that we have a high priest, that, not, uh, that we have not a high priest which cannot be touched by the feeling of our infirmities. But with all points tempted like as we are yet without sin. And Lord, I'm thankful, Lord, that I have a high priest I can call to. I can ask things for. And I can know that my prayers can be answered. Lord, I pray that you bless the service today. I thank you for those that, uh, Lord, hear the word and uh, do it. And they're doers of the word. And Lord, I pray that you just bless today. And Lord, I pray, pray for all those, Lord, that couldn't make it this morning. You know, some are sick and some are out of town. God give them grace in Jesus' name. Amen. John chapter 17, actually the whole chapter is called the high priestly prayer of Jesus. Um, if you don't know what a high priest is, um, it basically is a um, was the chief of the officiating priests in the ancient temple of Jerusalem. The principal function of a high priest was he was his performance was Yom Kippur or the Day of Atonement service in the temple. Every year in the book of, you'll find this in the book of Leviticus, requires the high priest to bathe himself, dress in special linen garments, and to attain atonement for the people of Israel. Uh, it's interesting, I read a little bit about some of the, uh, some of the traditions that the Jewish people, I actually have a, 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 a co-worker who's Jewish, and, and so it's kind of been interesting, I've been asking him questions, a lot of them he doesn't know because I don't think he's orthodox. But he was raised in the Jewish faith. And so I was asking about the high priest. Interesting thing about the high priest, there, were, there was two, two different places where the priests could go and no one else could go. One was the holiest of holies, and one was the holy place. Uh, there was, had to be no sin whatsoever in the holiest of holies. When you stand before God someday and, and you can give account of yourself, uh, God, Jesus Christ, will cover your sin. That's why you can stand before God. Without Christ, you can't. God will say, depart from me, you curse it, into everlasting fire, prepared for the devil and the angels. 
It's important, it's imperative for the Christian to make sure that they're living right. Why? Because you have the Holy Spirit that dwells in you. And listen, you are bought with a price. The Bible says, therefore, glorify God in your bodies. But the great thing is, is that we no longer have a human high priest. The human high priest was something that was completely different. He would go into the temple's innermost sanctum and he would sprinkle blood of sacrificial animals on the altar. Now, if you know anything about the, high, the, the uh, chief high priest, he was one that would go in and he, they would take a precious lamb, they would slit its neck, they would let the blood drain, and then they would go into the holiest of holy. And does anybody know what was in the holiest of holies? There you go. You that well, probably like Indiana Jones, right? Wasn't it the Ark of the Covenant that he found, right? See, I like using those modern references because some of you guys don't know what I'm talking about unless I talk about TV. But here we find this idea that the Ark of the Covenant was in there. Now, the one that was in Indiana Jones was nothing like the one that God put in the Bible, okay? Totally different. But the Ark of the Covenant was a special place. That was where God resided. They, they brought the Ark of the Covenant all the way over from Egypt. They had put it there, and when the uh, tabernacle was first formed, that's where they made worship. And then when the temple was built, that's where they made worship. And that was the place that God had resided. Now, God is everywhere, right? He's omniscient, right? I'm thankful I'm not everywhere. Uh, I was listening to a preacher last night, and uh, I was shocked to hear him say he wanted to be omniscient. <laughs> there are some things I'd rather not be. Omniscient is not one of them. Every place and everywhere. You know, it would be great. You know, you think about the idea of being able to uh, uh, be able to preach and then maybe go out soul winning the next, at the same time and then also do all my chores at home. At the same time, you'd see everything as well because you'd be all alone. And it's amazing we have this uh, situation here. The high priest comes in before the throne. He would take that innocent or that blood of that innocent lamb and he would sprinkle it on an altar. It was to be a sign that Jesus Christ would have done. Jesus Christ was that innocent lamb, and Jesus Christ would come and die for our sins, and the sins that we committed are going to be that sacrificial lamb of Jesus Christ would take care of our sins. What a great promise we have through Christ. This high priest would come in, and he would do this once a year to atone for the people's sins. Now, I believe that the Jewish high priest was nothing like uh, the priest that they eventually came to be. It said of the one of the scholars and rabbis of the 1200s taught of some of the things that were expected of the high priests of that day. He was to exceed the other high priests or other priests in beauty, strength, wealth, wisdom, and appearance. Now I want you to stop there for a second. I'm glad that I don't have to be the most beautiful guy here. You know what I'm saying, Brother Sam? Uh, I'd have problems, okay? I would not be a preacher, all right? I'm thankful that I'm not the wealthiest or the most strongest guy here. Uh, I'm glad that I wasn't the one that had to have the best appearance, all right? You know, he probably had a, if it were today, he'd probably have to have a Brooks Brothers. He'd probably have to look like a model. Probably, that's what they expected of their high priest. It was said, even then, if he lacked wealth himself, he was to be granted wealth by his fellow priest until he became the richest among them. Now, I thought that was kind of interesting, thinking about the high priest back then. You know what? I'm not wealthy enough. I'm not wealthier than you, so you need to give me some money, okay? That's the way it is. Then we find here 
He was to abstain from frivolity and ensure proper comportment. Now, I don't know about you, but I like to laugh just like everyone else. I like a little frivolity. I like to have a good time. Uh, Brother Sam knows that. I, we, we goof around all the time. We talk about funny things, and we get a good chuckle. But he was to be very serious, very sober. Don't get me wrong. Uh, the reason, the, one of the qualifications of a pastor is to be sober. But you know what? You can be sober and still laugh a little bit. But this guy was serious. It went so far as that he could not even attend a public feast. Now, I agree with this one. He should never have been, been seen naked. Now, nakedness back then was a lot different than today. Uh, you go uh, to the beach or don't go to the beach, and the women and men are wearing uh, less clothing than the, the, to make enough uh, uh, material for the, hum, for the stockings on a hummingbird. But the truth is, is that as a priest, he wasn't to show his legs, his thighs. He probably had to be very careful even with his arms, how far it went. There was a situation that he was to be very serious. And it went even as far as that to, to give him that sense of seniority was that he was to take his deputy and he was to put himself, the deputy, in between him and the people. I've known some pastors like that. Let me tell you something. It doesn't make for a fun experience for having a pastor. I, I remember one of the pastors that I had growing up. I said two words to him. Hi and bye. Was the only two words I heard. He were heard from me, I should say. And you know the only words I heard from him was the stuff that I heard from the pulpit. And I'll tell you what, that's not a good way to have a pastor. But I'm thankful that I'm not a high priest. But we do have a high priest. Anybody know who that high priest is? Jesus Christ. He is our high priest. And he's far more better than any human high priest there could be. He is the God of gods. He is the Lord of lords. He takes care of our needs. He loves us. We find in John chapter 17 some great things about it. We're not going to get into that right away. I want you to go to Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 15. Hebrews 4, 15. This is where I find the idea that Jesus Christ is our high priest. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 15, it says, For we have not an high priest which cannot or which cannot be touched by, with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. You know, it's interesting. We have a bunch of politicians today who all want to be able to be there with a common man, right? Uh, I love watching the politicians. You know they probably never eat at a McDonald's any other time. Uh, but they'll go to McDonald's because that's what the common man eats. Or they'll go to the local uh, uh, Philly uh, place in Philadelphia and they'll eat a Philly steak sandwich uh, or they'll go to the ice cream shop and they'll eat some ice cream most politicians want to be seen as someone that is in touch with the common man why because you're voting for him they want your vote they want you to think that you're on the same plane you are the same person and they're there for you Jesus Christ didn't have to act it he was he was right there with us Three years of his ministry was, or 30, he was here on the earth 33 years, but three years of his ministry, he didn't even have a place to lay his head. Can you imagine with me the type of lifestyle that, that Jesus had to have? When we went to uh, Israel and saw all that he did in three years, I know why they were probably pretty skinny back then. Because they walked a ton. I was going back to my Thank goodness for uh, uh, iWatches and, and iPhones. I can kind of 
kind of track how it was. I looked back to January how many steps I had. And I'm telling you, I probably put probably good to twelve to 13,000 steps a day. I mean, and I was riding in a tour bus half the time. Jesus Christ, he was running, he was walking, he was going everywhere to visit what? People in Israel. Because he loved them. He got to be tempted just like us. When he was at the uh, uh, mount, what happened? The devil came to him. He says, hey, turn these bread, this uh, stone into bread. He says, bow down to me and I'll give you all this. He's talking about the, the world. He had every temptation that we had. He was hunger. He was thirsty. He cried. He was sad. But listen to me. He knows what we're going through. We have a high priest who knows us. And not only does he know us, he loves us. The Bible says in verse 16, Let us therefore come boldly under the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace of, in, to help in time of need. Here we find some other things about Jesus as our high priest. Hebrews chapter 7 verse 21, For those priests were made without an oath, but with, this, with, but with an oath by him that said unto him, The Lord swear and will not repent, thou art a priest, and forever after the order of Melchizedek. Now, if you don't know anything about the priesthood, the priesthood was started by who? Come on. I like when people answer my questions. Anybody know? Who was the first priests? Yeah, but who was he? Aaron. Good job. Aaron was the first priest, and he was after the man. He was, that was the first. Oh, what are we smiling about? She said the wrong one. Okay. We're getting there, sister. You're getting ahead of me. Aaron was after the, uh, there's a priestly order of Aaron. Then there was another priest. Does anybody know who that priest was? Thank you, Sister Kim. <laughs> Melchizedek. And he was what? We don't see much about him, do we? According to the Bible, he had no beginning. He had no end. No father, no mother. And the Bible says that Jesus Christ, in Hebrews 7, verse 21, that he is what? After the order of Melchizedek. How fitting is that? How fitting is that? We as, a, as, a, as people can have an eternal priest, high priest. Isn't that great? Forever, the Bible says, after the order of Melchizedek. Now you say, what is important of having a high priest? Well, listen, the high priest was an important thing because he did what? He atoned for the people's sins. And I'm thankful that I have a loving God that could atone for my sins. If it wasn't for Jesus Christ, I would be a sinner today. And because I'm a sinner, I'd be on my way to hell. Today, I know without a shadow of a doubt that I'm on my way to heaven because of the blood of Christ. If anyone in here comes and says, I need Jesus. I am sick of my sin. I don't want to continue in my sin. I want Christ as a part of my life. And they turn to Christ today. They are guaranteed the same opportunity, the same privilege. You today, my friend, can know Jesus Christ. You today can be saved. And you can live a life that's free from sin. Now, there's many things that we can talk about Christ. He, he was the eternal high priest. He was of uh, the priesthood of Melchizedek. And since we know who God is to us, and we know that he loves us, and we've been changed forever by his loves, 
Here are some ways to understand how when you change your priesthood, when you change from the priesthood of man to the priesthood of God, how it changes your life. We go back to our text verse. The first thing that I want to find here in John chapter 17 and verse 2, we find the idea that Jesus Christ says, As thou hast given him power over all the flesh, that he should give eternal life to as many as, has, has, as thou hast given him. As many people, as I already mentioned this, as many people come to Christ, they're given an opportunity. How many been wanted to go to a concert or wanted to go somewhere where there was a whole bunch of people and you had to have a ticket? How many been there? Okay, you know, your teenagers. I'm not. You, don't be afraid to raise your hand if you're going to a rock concert back in the day. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna judge you, brothers there. You know what I'm saying? But you know what's interesting that when those tickets sell out, you're disappointed, aren't you? You're disappointed. Uh, Taylor Swift. I heard. What was it? She had like one of these uh, Ticketmaster moments where everybody sold out of all her tickets. And I don't know what happened, but basically uh, everybody was up in arms. I, I mean, that's pretty popular. I don't think I would get many people if I was selling tickets for the church. But uh, Taylor Swift, that's a different story. But here we find this idea that there's always some type of ticket to get into a very popular event. And listen to me. You don't have to have a ticket to know Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is the ticket. He is the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. You can guarantee when you come to Jesus Christ, you can have eternal life today. There's no waiting line. There's no ticket master. You come to Christ and Christ says, As many as been given me, I will take. Isn't that exciting for you? Isn't that exciting for me? Any person that comes to Jesus Christ today can be granted eternal life. Life. Here we find the second thing in John chapter 17 and verse 6. The Bible says, I have manifested thy name unto the men, and thou which thou gavest me out of the world, thine they were, and thou gavest them me, and they have kept thy word. Have you ever met someone that has a very important name? I've told this story before, but it's been a while. When I was a kid, we would go candy selling for our church and for our school. And I, I'm sorry to say this, I was very deceitful as a young person. I would get in, we'd have one guy stand over here, and he would be the distraction. And I'd go out the other door to get into the building. And these were these high rises. We'd go into Santa Fe. I had this buddy that was, he was, he was just, he was awful. So I'd just use him as a distraction. We'd, we'd split the profits sometimes. So I'd have him over here, and he'd be doing something to do stupid. And the secretary would be like, what is he doing? And I'd just go out the other door. She would never pay attention to me. We'd go up these elevators. We'd go up and down. We'd be, we'd be running from the security guards just trying to sell candy. It was a lot of fun. It was like being a spy, you know. But I remember one time me and my brother had decided to go into the Santa Fe building in Schaumburg, Illinois. And I remember it very well because we went in there. It seemed like everybody. I don't care who you spoke to. What are you doing in here, young man? Now, you can't be in here selling candy. This is a place of business. My brother had finally gotten fed up, and so we got on the elevator, and he saw somebody really important. He didn't know who he was, but he looked important. So he says, hey, we're trying to sell candy in the building. Is there a way that I could sell candy or get some type of permission? And he says, what are you selling candy for? My brother says, well, it's for my school. He says, all right, anytime someone gives you a problem, tell him his name. Little did we know, it was the CEO of the company. 
CEO of Santa Fe. And we would go from desk to desk. It was a blast. Everybody you spoke to. What are you doing here? Oh, someone said, this guy said I can do it. And they're like, okay, sir, how many, how, can we, how many can I buy? I think we sold out two or three times in that whole building. It was a blast. You have the Father's name. You have the Father's name. When you come before him in prayer, remember who's your father. You can walk about with boldness. You can walk about with knowing that Jesus Christ uh, has taken care of that promise for you. Number three, we find in uh, uh, the Father's word, John chapter 17 and verse 8, for I have given them the words which thou gavest me, and they have received them, and I have known surely that I came out from thee, and they have believed that thou didst send me. I have given, verse 14, I have given them thy word, and the word hath hated, the, hated them, because they are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. The Father's word. There's nothing more important than the Father's word. I can just imagine, as I've grown up in a, good Christian home, how important daddy should be. When daddy says something, he means it. It doesn't always mean it's comfortable. Sometimes daddy says, you need to do this. This is important. And it goes against everything that you wanted to do and everything that you thought was the way to go. And you said, well, wait a minute. This is not, nobody's going to like this. The kids at school are not going to like when I walk in wearing, instead of Nike's, Jordash. Right? dating myself. I'm sorry. You know what? Uh, Dad says, you're not going to wear the latest brand names. We're going to Walmart. Okay? I remember one, one year I had rad dog shoes from Walmart. They were the most ridiculous off-brand shoes I'd ever seen. I wanted a pair of brand new Converse's. And you know what? Dad sent me with rad dog shoes. All the other kids, they had the Nike Airs. But you know what? Dad was just trying to give me a point. Your father's word, it might not be popular with the people of this world. But it is the father's word. It used to be that father knew best, didn't he? Father would take care. He, he knew it was best for his family. And he would make sure, he would lead his home with seniority, knowing that it was going to take care of his family. Today we've lost that. Daddy's no longer lead their home. Daddies no longer take care of the needs of their family. The Bible says that if a man provide, provide not for his own, he's worse than an infidel. Listen, the reason why God puts such emphasis on the Father is because the fathers are to represent God the Father. Daddies, listen, you have a great responsibility. If you're not leading your home today, you are being horrible, giving God the wrong kind of impression. Fathers are to be loving. Fathers are to discipline. Fathers are to provide. These are important. Now, some of you say, Pastor, uh, I didn't grow up in a home with a dad. I feel bad for you. I really do. Thankful for my father. Listen, the father's word is important. We can trust and know that his word is that he gives us. And because we've received Christ, it's going to always be true. The fourth thing that we find in this high priest is in John chapter 17 and verse 13. John 17, verse 13, the Bible says, Now come I thee to these things I speak in the world, that they may have, uh, might have my joy fulfilled in themselves. 
and verse 22. And the glory which thou gavest me, I have given them, and they be, may be one, even as we are one. Joy and what else? Glory. Joy and glory. You know what the world today is missing? Permanent joy. Permanent joy. Oh, you can chase whatever sin that so easily besets you. And you know, it'll be fun for a short time, but you know what? There's always a price to pay. Who's ever read the book about Pinocchio? We've all, probably all watched the video, right? The Disney video. When he's doing all these things, isn't he? Boy, if you read the actual classic, it's awfully dark. But in Disney, basically at the end, he doesn't listen to his dad. What happens? He found all these different things to give him pleasure and give him fun. And basically what happened, eventually he ended up becoming a donkey, I think the story goes. Now, I want you to understand something. You can keep looking for fun. But you end up being a donkey. God has given you a great opportunity. God has given you his word. God has given his joy. And listen... If you live your life according to your flesh, according to the dictates of your flesh, you'll find yourself in a position that says uh, that uh, I don't want to be here. Some people never come to that conclusion. They just keep chasing it and keep chasing it. And they keep making wrong decision after wrong decision. And they get to the end of their life. And listen, like I said, nursing homes are one of the most bitterest places in, the, in God's green earth. Why? Because people have lived their entire lives without Christ. And they're at the very threshold of death. And they look back and they see nothing but misery and, and deceit and unkindness and bitterness. And they're so bitter in their hearts because they have lived their lives according to their flesh. Today, God gives you permanent joy. Don't get me wrong. There will be sadness. There will be times you'll be disappointed. Even, may I say, even discouraged. Satan's real. The old man is still there. Christ has given us something that we can always go back to. Think of someone the other day and the situation they were going through. They didn't have Christ. I can't imagine the death of a family member. I can't imagine a tragic event that would so gravitate you to and so pull you from your own reality that you realize that you have no hope because you don't even have guarantee you this, there is joy in serving Jesus. There's joy along the way. Jesus Christ gives us that joy. Now, <clears throat> I've run out of time, spent a lot more time than I wanted to on this initial point, but I want you to talk about a couple more things. When you change your high priest, when you go from taking the high priest of man to the high priest of God, number one, the high priest will change who you listen to. Turn your Bibles to Acts chapter 9. Acts chapter 9 and verse 1. This is a story of Apostle Paul. His name was Saul at the time. Apostle Paul was by far one of the most orthodox Jewish individuals. He was probably a Pharisee of Pharisees. He was so zealous in his belief that his desire was to kill Christians. He hated Christians. Because he truly believed that they were against the will of God and that they were not serving God. 
So we find in Acts chapter 9, verse 1, after going through a whole bunch of situations, and we know the first time we see Apostle Paul, he's standing there with the coats of those that were stoning Stephen, the deacon. We find in verse 1, And Saul, yet breathing out threatenings and slaughter against the disciples of the Lord, went unto the high priest. And it says in verse 2, And desired of him letters to Damascus, to the synagogues, that if he found any of this way, whether they were men or women, he might bring them bound into Jerusalem. Now Paul had a high priest. We talked about the high priest of men, didn't we? They weren't really someone that knew our infirmities, loved us, and cared about us. The high priest of God, though, is different. But Saul was still serving this high priest. And what did this high priest do? He gave him the ability to kill Christians. Listen, the high priest of man and the high priest of God are not the same. You know, the high priest of man is Satan. Pastor, what do you mean? The Bible says rebellion is the sin of witchcraft. John 8, 44. Your father is the devil, the lust of your father you will do. He was a murderer from the beginning. And abode not in the truth when he speaks a lie. He speaketh his own, for he is a liar and the father of it. Listen to me. The devil has you by his grips if you're unsaved in here. And listen to me. He's taking you and threshing you and whipping you and causing you strife and anger and discontentment. And you know what? When you turn to Christ, the heavenly father who loves you and cares for you, he's not going to make you do things that are against the will of God. But he was so zealously after the things of this high priest that he decided that they must be killed. They must be in prison. They must go after something. Uh, they must go after these Christians because they're the ones. They are the root cause of the problem. We find here as he went to go get number two. Acts chapter 9 and verse 6. Actually, let's read this. I didn't read the whole passage. The Bible says in verse 3, And as he journeyed, he came near Damascus, and suddenly there shined round about him a light from heaven. And he fell to the earth and heard a voice saying unto him, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? And he said, Who art thou, Lord? The Lord said, I am Jesus, whom thou persecutest. It is hard for thee to kick against the pricks. And he trembling, astonished, said, Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? And the Lord said unto him, Arise and go into the city, shall be told thee. Paul, or Saul at the time, was following that one high priest. He was giving all he had, and then Christ confronts Paul, and Paul immediately changes his course. You know, one of the first evidences of someone that's been saved, they love Christ, and they love the things of God. I've seen people who have made professions of faith, and they don't darken the church doors again. I've seen people who've made a profession of faith, and for a short time, they act and walk like a Christian, and then they fall away. Where's your faith at today? Are you still serving the old high priest, the devil? Is he still confronting you with sin, and you're uh, obeying the lackeys of the devil? Paul understood as soon as he was before the Lord in verse 6, and he trembling and astonished said, Lord, what will thou have me to do? Paul's first understanding of his service to the high priest 
was that he now had to serve. He now had to do something for the Lord. God had changed his heart. He realized who Jesus Christ was. And he says, I am now in service to him. Where is your life at today? Can you honestly say that it's a life of service to the king? It's a life of service to God? Or is it all about your pleasures? Is it all about entertainment? Is it all about uh, your endeavors? Whatever they may be. Are they with God? Or are they with yourself? Young people here today, you have your whole life ahead of you. Can you honestly say that your life is invested in God? Say, Pastor, I come to church on Sunday, and that's wonderful. I'm glad you do. But how much more of your life is you invested in Christ? There's a way that seemeth right unto the man, but the end thereof are the what? Ways You have a great opportunity. I see Brooklyn down here. 13 years old. Woo! Right? Full steam ahead, right? Chloe's 15. She's heading out. They're getting excited. Chloe's talking about driving. Oh. Just had a chill go down my back. We're going to clear the roads. But you know what? At this age, if they get a hold of God, God can do Maybe you're saying, Pastor, I don't. I know I'm not serving God. I know I'm still serving sin. I'm still living in sin. Put your faith and trust in Christ. You won't regret it. Paul understood that he automatically went to serving him. And it's interesting. As soon as Paul uh, got understanding that he should do something for the Lord, it says in verse nine, uh, uh, chapter nine, and verse ten, God put him on the right path to meet someone. Bible says, and there was a certain disciple of Damascus named Ananias. And to him said the Lord in a vision, Ananias, and he said, Behold, I am here, Lord. The Lord said unto him, Arise, and go into the street which is called Straight, and inquire the house of Judas for one called Saul of Tarsus, for behold, he prayeth. I have seen a vision, a man named Ananias coming in and putting his hand on him, and he might receive his sight. I'm going to park here for a second. Your pastor is here for a reason. Do you know, without order, the world would fall apart? Do you know that? I don't know all the science. I don't ever act like I know all the science. But the way that the earth rotates around the sun is interesting. If you ever get a chance, go to the Creation Museum. Some of the great order that we find in the world. In biology, you find some great order. And it doesn't stop at biology. It keeps going. It goes into your personal lives. The Bible tells us in Hebrews chapter 13, verse 17, Obey them that have the rule over you, and submit yourselves, for they watch for your souls, as that they may give an account, that they may do it with joy and not with grief, for it is unprofitable for you. Paul automatically knew. Here's a man, a Pharisee, a Pharisee, an important person who had everything at his fingertips. soldiers to do his bidding. God blinds him and tells him, hey, listen, I'm going to show you someone and you need to listen to. Now, I'm going to tell you right now, not every person that God gives you is perfect. I'd even say my own father dealt with this. But 
guy that led him to the Lord smoked. You know what? But if it wasn't for him listening to that man today, I would not be in this pulpit. God has given, and this is going to sound weird, God has given you me. I'm God's gift to you. Wow. Don't laugh. It's the truth. And he gave some pastors, some apostles, some prophets and teachers for the work of the ministry. I'd have to say that's God's gift, right? Sounds kind of funny. And I felt kind of humbled by thinking about it. But you know, God has given you me. Or you, me, you. And the same thing. God's given you to me. I have responsibility to you. And sometimes it's not easy. Sometimes, I, I, I'll tell you what, I struggle sometimes with it. It's a responsibility that not all of it do I enjoy. I get up here and preach. That's a lot of fun. Right? I get to talk about what God's doing in my life. I get to tell you some wonderful things. I like to tell encouraging things, building up things. But sometimes I have to deal with sin. It's no fun. The Bible says what? Obey them that have the rule for you, rule over you, that they may do it with joy and not with grief. Number two. This order is important, not just for people in the church, but for wives. Oh, ladies. The Bible says, 1 Peter 30, verse 1, Likewise, ye wives, be in subjection to your own husbands, that if any obey not the word, they also may without the word be won by the conversation of the wives. Now that verse is talking expressly to who? The wife. But is it talking to saved or unsaved husbands? For a saved or unsaved husband? Unsaved. The conversation of the wives. Listen to me. Don't be wrong, and I'll get to this caveat here in a second. You know, there are so many wickedness going in today, and especially if an unsaved man. God has given to you. You say, what? An unsaved man, God's given. Listen. He's your husband. God never intended for marriage to be short-lived. And I'll tell you, it's hard. I, I hear your problems. I hear your pain. I can't imagine what you're going through. Give your life to Christ. Now I know it says here, obey your husbands in Christ. If he tells you, don't go to church. That's not in Christ. If he tells you, uh, Let's go to a bar and drink. It's not Christ. Let's go watch a dirty show. What if he says, hey, can we have supper on the table at 530? Him and my mom. She was always the most submissive lady. We were at uh, around the supper table, or around the devotional table. <laughs> my dad made an announcement. He says, all right, we're going to try to get our time redeem the time here. we got so much going on. We don't have time for all this. So <laughs> he got around the table. He had told mom earlier, he says, I want us to have dinner at 5.30. Now, again, I'm not saying that's the time that you have to have their dinner, but that, at that time, that's what dad said. And so we're sitting around the table, and he's like, okay, we're going to do this, this, and this. This is going to be done at this time. This is going to be done this time. And then he looks at mom, and he says, what time is supper supposed to be on the table? 5.30! She didn't even realize she said it like that. We all just busted up laughing. That's the way some women are. 
party. All right, I'll do it. You're like Zipporah, right? A bloody and a, a horrible man thou art to me. Zipporah was Moses' Moses's, uh, wife, right? She was the one that had to circumcise the children. Listen, your spirit says a lot. You might not even be uh, unsubmissive. You might be just an angry person all the time. I know this makes you uncomfortable, ladies. It makes me uncomfortable talking about it, but it's Bible. Moving on. Here we find not only our pastors we should listen to, our husbands we should listen to, our government officials we should listen to. Titus 3.1 says, Put them in mind to be subject to principalities and powers, to obey magistrates, to be ready to every good work. Listen, I don't care who you are. Democrat, Republican, Libertarian, Green Party. God has given a command here to obey them that has rule over you and obey magistrates. Oh, it goes back to the same verse that tells us in Acts chapter 5, 5 verse 29, that when Peter was told not to go out and share the gospel, he says we ought to obey God rather than men. That is true. But how many times do we break the law? You say, what do you mean, Pastor? How many times do you go over the speed limit? How many times have you lied on your taxes? How many times have you taken things that you shouldn't have taken? How many times have you done something that's not the law of God? The Bible tells us to obey. Listen, it's hard sometimes. The more that society gets evil, the more that we find more and more insane, uh, uncharacteristic laws that we've never seen before. How can come out there and say you can't come to church? Again, just like husband. Don't do that. And they say, hey, sorry, uh, you can't pray like Daniel. There are plenty of things that we can learn to listen to. We need to obey. Kids, you're not out of this. The Bible says in Colossians chapter 3, verse 20, Children, obey your parents in all things, for this is well-pleasing unto the Lord. Listen, Paul had to go to Ananias, and he had to submit to him. He had to listen to him. He had to take what he had said and be serious about it, because why? God had told him to. And here is your moment. Here is your moment that God is saying, listen, children, obey your parents. You realize that when you disobey your parents, you are practicing witchcraft? Bible says rebellion is sin and witchcraft. It's amazing to me is that kids don't even understand that rebellion is just basic disobedience. It's just saying, I'm not going to do it. I know it's right, but I'm not going to do it. You ask the average kid out there why they don't obey their parents, they're probably going to just tell you, because I don't want to. I want to do my own way. I want to do what I want to do. Listen, there is a great condemnation to those that don't listen to their parents. There is a great promise to those that do. The Bible says that you'll live long. And you sit there and you say, well, I'm going to do my own way. Parents are tearing their just trying to help you. They're just trying to encourage uh, you. And all you do is think about, well, number one, what's best for me? 
what's best for my will. Lastly, the Bible tells us when you are following the right high priest, you're going to listen to those that are in authority. And how about our bosses? Our bosses we should listen to. Colossians 3.22, servants obey all things your masters according to the flesh, not with eye service as men pleasers, but in singleness of heart, what? Fearing God. Some of you work for yourselves, guess what? You gotta listen to your to the people that you're working for. If you don't work for yourself, guess who you need to work listen to? Boss. I like to use this phrase, it's really good. Manage your managers. Know what your managers expect and do it. It's very simple. Christians, we have a huge display of what God wants us to do in our lives. I'm done. The high priest, a couple other points I'll just add. The high priest will change what you believe in the truth. Paul immediately preached the gospel of Christ, something that just days before he was killing people for. We find that in Acts chapter 9, verse 20. It says, the straight way he preached Christ. There are many things once you become the uh, switch the high priest that you're serving. Listen, there are many things you'll recognize as truth. The Bible says, sanctify them. Thy word is truth. The Bible says the church is the uh, pillar and ground of truth. Everything else will scream deceit. The Bible says in Colossians 2 verse 8, it says, beware lest any man spoil you for philosophy and vain deceit after the tradition of men, after the rudiments of the world, and not after Christ. Listen, the world is teaching us that men are not men and women are not women. They're telling us that relationships outside of marriages are okay. They're telling us that the home is not important. And they're also telling us that the government has all the answers. God's given us laws to follow. And when those truths don't line up with the word of God, you know it's wrong. Follow the word of God. When you turn over to this high priest, he will change your worldview. No longer will you see the world as inviting. You'll see the world as oppressive. John 15, verse 19, if you are the world, the world will love his own. But because you are not of the world, but I have chosen you out of the world, therefore the world hateth you. John James 2, 5, hearken my beloved brethren. Hath not God chosen the poor of this world, rich in faith, and heirs of the kingdom which hath promised to them that love him? 1 John 3, 1. Behold, what manner of love the Father bestowed upon us, that we should be called the sons of God. Therefore the world knoweth us not, because it knew him not. When you look for the world, you're not looking for Christ. But when you're looking for Christ, you'll never look at the world. Christian, today is your day. Those that are seeking don't know Christ. Today is your day. Today is the rest of your today is the day of the rest of your life. And you can make a decision that can affect exactly what Paul did here. You can make a decision that says, This is what God wants me to do. I have no doubt in my heart, I'm going to be faithful to it, and I'm going to serve him with Christ as my witness. And Christ is my strength. As Christ is my grace, I am going to look to him as the author and finish my faith. I don't care what the world says. I don't care what so-and-so says. I'm going to serve God today because he is my all in all. Put it all behind you. Family. Friends. Neighbors. You're going to say, this is what God wants me to do. 
Lastly, when you change high priests, it changes your love for others. You will change from bitterness to love, and you will change from hate to love. You will change from anger to kindness, and you will change from apathy to compassion. Ephesians 4.32, Be ye kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. May it be said of every Christian that they are kind-hearted. The Bible says in Luke chapter 6, verse 27, But I say unto you, which hear, love your enemies, do good to them which hate you. That's the opposite of what the world thinks. The world today is supposedly all about acceptance and tolerance, but the truth is only those that they agree with are they accepting and tolerating. We should love people no matter who they are. Leave God up to all the judgment. Not only wrong, when it comes to Christ and living for Christ, the Bible says spiritual man judges all things. The only, there's only one person that can be condemned, and that's Christ. Those that don't accept. You do everything within your God-given ability to bring them to Christ. Encourage them, love them, pray for them. One thing that I think Christians miss is they believe in the mechanical workings of the church, but they miss this supernatural influence of the Holy Spirit. They forget to pray. Not only will you change from hate to love, but you also find you'll change from anger to kindness. The Bible says, but now put all of these anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy communication out of your mouth. They'll be a different person. And lastly, you'll change from apathy to compassion. They're saying nowadays that many of the crimes that are happening in New York and other places that there's no good Samaritans anymore. Instead of being a good Samaritan, they stand there with a phone and record fights happening, people getting hurt, even getting killed. It's more important to stream it onto the internet so everybody else can see the violence instead of step in and say, no, that's not right. We live in a society today that is so set on themselves they couldn't even talk to the neighbor next to them. How many know your neighbors? How many have talked to them? How many have spent time witnessing to them? Listen, don't be a stranger. Don't be apathetic towards the things of God, especially to those that you know are close to you. Have some compassion. Let's stand together. Effects of a new high priest. Have you changed over to the high priest of Christ? Are you still serving the God of sin? It's up to you. Can you make that decision today? If you're here today and you don't know Christ as your Savior, I encourage you, please come forward. I, I will I promise I don't bite. Just take my hand and we'll talk about how you can know for sure you're going to heaven. You don't even take my hand. It's, it's nasty, I know. You just have to come here and come talk to me. I'll get someone. If you're a lady in here, I'll get you a lady to speak to. Maybe you're uncomfortable with me. I'll get a man to speak to you. We just want to know that you know for sure you're on your way to heaven. Christian in here, if you've been saved, you know Jesus Christ is your Savior, but you're still serving the sin. 
listen to me. I, I touched on some pretty strong points today. I hope that you listen. Maybe one of those points really hit home. Come here at the altar and spend some time with Jesus. Making things right. Heavenly Father, I pray that you just please be with this invitation. God, I'm thankful for your word. How it's so convicting. I ask you, Lord.